in our Bibles for a few moments to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, just take one of the few Bibles if you need one. Chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians and verses 8 to 11. Page 1158 in the Pew Bible. Just as you're looking that up, uh, why give a testimony to God's grace in your life in a gathering like this? Uh, why in a few minutes should uh, some of you uh, come to the front door and say something about God's grace to you over this last year or so? And moreover, uh, how might you do that helpfully in a way that will benefit everyone and what goals should we have? What results should we be looking for from a meeting like this tonight? So these verses will, I pray, help us uh, toward that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. Paul the Apostle is writing and he's addressing the Corinthian church. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Amen. Now about six months ago, I think it was, I actually had the privilege of preaching on this uh, passage and for about 30 minutes or so, uh, we went into some detail. We looked at this text and we thought about the situation that might have uh, lay behind it. Well, you'll be maybe glad tonight, I don't know. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to spend five minutes looking at this text. And we're going to highlight some useful pointers as we come to give testimony in the next couple of minutes. Because what Paul is doing here is giving testimony. And I think this is a good example of how we, we might want to do it. So... Three observations then from the passage. And the first observation is simply that Paul is vulnerable. You see, in verses 8 and 9, Paul leaves himself staggeringly vulnerable, open and exposed to his Corinthian readers. I say staggering because when you think about who Paul is, it's remarkable that he has this much self-disclosure. Uh, remember that Paul is, as he says in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's an authoritative representative of Jesus. And he's appointed by nothing less than the will of God. He's been given a special commission to lead the charge into the Gentile world with the gospel. And he's been doing it zealously. In fact, this church to whom Paul is writing in Corinth is one of the churches that Paul has established. So, Paul is not just anybody. 
He has a certain amount of kudos in the churches, and certainly in this church. Nevertheless, this esteemed man is vulnerable in this passage. The man who wrote half your New Testament opens up his heart and lets you see inside. So, I don't want you to be uninformed, verse 8. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, despair even of life, and we felt, verse 9, the sentence of death. Now that's vulnerability, isn't it? Now why was Paul willing to do this? Why was Paul willing to open up his heart to the Corinthians? Well, there's a little clue that we get as we back up to verse 6. Look at what Paul says here. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. You see, Paul knows there's something in his experience that might help the Corinthians in theirs. And Paul will not hold back from them what he knows might help them. Now it just so happens that in this case, what Paul is going to share is some of his struggles and some of his difficulties that God has helped him through. But in many other letters, Paul is also vulnerable in sharing his joys and the wonderful things that God has been doing there. And if you come down to the front tonight, if you're brave enough to do that, you may feel vulnerable like this, but it might help some people. So be a Paul. Be a Paul in this way. Be vulnerable. Secondly, though, second observation is that Paul is God-centered. Paul is God-centered. And I get that from verse 9, second half, and verse 10, which are utterly God-focused, god centered verses right in the middle of Paul's testimony just listen for God in these verses here this happens says Paul so that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead he, that's God has delivered us and he will deliver us and on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us so it's strange isn't it Paul's testimony is ultimately not really about Paul. It involves Paul. It is Paul's experience. But it is about God's intervention in Paul's experience. See, Christian testimony is never a self-centered exercise. It always testifies to the greatness of God in Christ. Which is why Paul says, if you remember to the Galatian church, May I never boast, may I never testify, like the letter we just see it, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if Jesus isn't going to be in it, then I'm not going to share it and testify about it. So perhaps tonight you're swithering. Should I come forward? Should I say something? Should I not? Well, here's a fundamental criteria for you. It doesn't have to be spectacular. But is God in it? Can God be seen in it? Can God be praised in it and thanked because of it? Do you have something to share tonight perhaps that shows the deliverance of God? Something about God's goodness? Maybe life's been hard for you in the last year. But God's been good. You can share that. We'll be blessed 
by that. So Paul is God's centre. That's the second observation. But thirdly and finally, and uh, I was just telling Peter before, I couldn't think of any catchy titles for these points. Uh, Paul is aiming for thanksgiving. Did you notice that Paul's aim in giving his testimony uh, is not merely to send this particular encouragement to the Corinthians? In other words, his aim is not that his testimony terminate on the Corinthian Christians. Let me just illustrate this. Think about the, the Christmas cards that you maybe sent or received over the festive period. Maybe hundreds of them, I don't know. When that card is received by you, and you put it on your mantelpiece, or you put it on your, on your wall, uh, that's really the end of the line as far as the message is concerned. Someone has sent the news, the message, you've received it, and that's the end of the transaction. See, the message has terminated on the recipient. But Paul says, this news that I'm sending you about God's goodness to me, don't stick it in a drawer. Let there be a chain reaction, as it were, a ripple effect, so that other people might thank God and praise God because of this. Look at verse 11. Then many will give thanks on our behalf. So the aim tonight is that gratitude will rise to God's throne on the wings of prayer and song and in wise lived out in obedience because you testified. You testified to God and we give thanks because of what God has done in your life. So let me just summarize. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be willing to take a risk, come out of our comfort zone. Let's be sure to give God the spotlight. And let's finally be willing to praise the giver of all grace to us. Now we're going to sing together before we have our first open.